We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. Well, we have a lot of football still to unpack from the weekend, but we got to take a pause here because we are so pleased to have our next guest in studio. It's Jeff Perlman, of course, is an award-winning author. He's got a new book out. It's about Bo Jackson. It's Bo Jackson, the last folk hero, the life and myth of Bo Jackson. It's available now wherever you buy books. And Jeff is here with us. I mean, Jeff, you have written about, like, so many mythic people in sports, like Walter Payton and Brett Favre and the Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, which are chock full, USFL, all these, you know, really big topics. Like, Bo Jackson, I mean, how Mm. close is the reality to the myth? Um, very, very close. Really? Yeah, really close. Like I, um, I was thinking about this today. He, um, when he got to the Raiders in 1987, he'd been playing baseball and he'd run a four, one, three forty in college, which is crazy. Preposterous. He was 220 <laughs> pounds. Like Tyreek Hill does not want to four, run a four, one, three forty. So he shows up with the Raiders. Tom Flores is a coach and he wants Bo to run a 40 on grass and pads. And he, they clock him to four, one, nine. And Flores says, that doesn't seem right. And they do it again, and he runs a four one seven. Oh my goodness! Wow, is this a joke? It's but, like a joke. Well, the title, "The Last Folk Hero," makes it sort of to me implies that it, there's sort of some myth going on here, and there's some because I remember him as running for sixty five yards on every play. Like mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, and he ended a little bit early. How much of it is just uh, we mythologize Bo Jackson, and how it makes you know you're already answering that question that it really was this spectacular. So I thought there'd be more myth than there was, right? Perfect example is like, I started working on the book and people told me there's a game, ah, there's always a game in high school. Yeah. You know, every player, there's Everyone's always a game. Got one, yeah. Everyone's got a game in high school and he was throwing smoke off the ball. I'm like, <laughs> so there's a game, they're playing Fairfield High. It's McAdory High School is where Bo went. And everyone kept telling me he hit this fly ball to left field. And by the time it came down, he was rounding third, right? <laughs> now that sounds preposterous. Yeah, it sounds like Bugs Bunny type stuff. Yeah. 100%. So I start talking to people about it who are at the game. Nah, man, that's true. No. Nah, Okay, no, I'm telling you, it's true. So I tracked down Eddie Scott, Fairfield High's left fielder, and the guy who was in left field. He's like, it's true. He goes, he hit that ball. I could not find it. It was so freaking high. He's like, I couldn't find it. It bounces on the grass, pops up, and when I grab it, I look up to throw, and he's rounding third. He goes, I swear to God, that is the truth. And there's like a million just crazy, crazy mythological Bo Jackson stories, and 90% of them check out. Oh, that is amazing. Wow. Jeff Perlman is here with us in studio. He's written a new book about Bo Jackson, the last folk hero. So him as like, he's got these amazing moments. We could talk about the moments, you know, the Brian Bosworth moment, the mm-hmm. running up on the back of the, uh, in the outfield. Yeah. Like there's all these moments, but Bo the person, like, did you get a sense of what really made him tick? Like what his motivations were as an athlete and how he got to be so great? Well, I think of a lot of, a lot of it goes back to Bessemer, Alabama, where he's from. He was one of 11 and um, raised by a single mom poor, uh, predominantly African-American neighborhood. He literally grew up in a house with uh, no running water, an outhouse. He he would go to elementary school either wearing his sister's shoes, hand-me-downs, or socks, no shoes. Oh my gosh. He was held back in early grade. He had a severe stutter. His dad lived across town and had nothing to do with him whatsoever. His dad was named A.D. Adams. He had his own family across town, barely ever looked at Bo Jackson. So as he grew up, he was like this bully. He was a bully of a kid. He used to Mm. beat kids up, steal their lunch money, blah, blah, blah. But he also was like, this is going to sound weird, right? He was throwing rocks at cars and other kids. He would get in these crab apple fights. He, at his house, he had a five and a half foot fence surrounding his house. 
So he needed to escape the house. He would have to jump over the fence because his mom watched the entranceway. It's almost like this old school Rocky montage mm. where you want to know how Bo Jackson became Bo Jackson. He was blessed physically, but he did all these things. He was beating kids up with a bat. He was throwing crab apples. He was jumping over fences and he arrives at high school and he's a specimen. I mean, that's pretty amazing. But like that, that is a crazy mythology. But how does that impact him as a person? Because for us, it's great. We get the Rocky montage. It yeah. all makes sense, adds up in like a you know, slumdog millionaire kind of way. Yeah. But what did that do for him, his psyche growing up in those bad conditions? Right. That's, that's good. So he, um, that's a good follow up, I got to say. Like I was like going on this roll and you're like, hey, what does it do? Like um, he, um, he had a brother who went to reform school and he was terrified of going to reform school because he actually thought he literally would say, I don't want to go to reform school and get sexually attacked, oh, right? Boy. He just had this fear, this actual fear that he talked about a lot. And it drove him where he was like, I can't go to reform school. I can't go to reform school, anything but reform school. So when he goes to McAdory High School and there's this track team and a coach is like, hey, you should come out for track. And he's really good at track. Then it's like, you should try baseball. And he's really good at baseball. And then he tries football and he's phenomenal at football. So he was actually motivated by seeing what could be. Oh, and like, I don't, I can't do that. I can't. And his mom would always threaten to send him to reform school. If you do this, you're going to reform school. So reform school. Oh my wow. gosh! Don't go to reform school. So Bo that's Jack a level of stress yeah. that I oh feel like is, no is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, Bo Jackson, I think has done the two sport thing. I mean, Dion too, better mm -hmm. than anybody. When did that start? I mean, was this a, a goal of his when he got to high school? He's like, oh, I'm going to be an NFL star and an MLB star. Or did this evolve over the years? Well, he was actually a three sports star. So he was a his best sport in high school was track. And he, um, he's preposterous. Like he's preposterous. Like he, he won back to back state decathlon championships. He set five individual state records in different events <laughs> in high school. He won the decathlon twice without doing the last event, the fifteen hundred, because he hated distance running. So he got so far ahead he wouldn't have to do it. His senior year, he won the decathlon on a sprained ankle. A day later, his baseball team was in the state playoffs, and his coach needed someone to pitch. Bo Jackson hadn't pitched it all that year. He starts, strikes out thirteen, gets the win. It's a joke. Oh my goodness. And um, he was drafted by the Yankees in the second round out of high school. And his mom really wanted him to go to college. Mm -hmm. He would have been the first guy to go to a four-year school out of that family. So he went and he knew he was going to play both. I don't think he knew he was going to be a pro in both until later on. Yeah. I mean, and like, I always think about Bo Jackson and then today's athlete, right? Because he kind of has some things like, I think about the Odell catch is kind of like the Brian Bosworth run. If that's even true that he actually said, you know, next time I'm going to charge you bus fare. Is that the legend? About Bosworth? About Bo saying it to Bosworth. Yeah, right. Dragon yeah, I'm a little skeptical on that one. So okay. <laughs> but it's a great line. Yeah. Uh, but like, I think about Odell's one-handed catch against the Dallas Cowboys. And I think about these moments that Bo had that would have been viral back then. These things that he's known for is, was he the beginning of like what we're seeing now with the modern athlete where you're known for these moments almost more than your full career? Man, that's a great point. I would actually say yes. Because when people think about Bo Jackson, okay, I think about running up the wall. Yep. They think about Monday Night Football, two things, running 91 yards down the sidelines, which, by the way, one of the Seahawks coaches said he was holding notes, and the notes literally got sucked out <laughs> of the <laughs> bow by, and he swore on it. He's like, I'm telling you. And also running over Boz. He's known for leading off the All-Star game. 1989, yeah. he leads off the All-Star game with a home run with Vin Scully and Ronald Reagan in the booth with the Bono ad, Bono's ad campaign premiering in that game. So, like, timing was everything. Yep. So all these little moments are really, they actually are what we remember about Bo. And I can't say, like, he spearheaded a movement, but 
but I think he was a precursor to what was to become. Yeah, yeah. because unfortunately his career didn't last very long because of his uh, the hip injury. Yeah, the hip injury, which ended his career. Did he? How does he feel? Or people around yeah. him? I know you did talk to him, but like, how, how does he feel about his career that was cut short? I feel like this is the best thing about Bo Jackson. He truly doesn't give a crap. Like, mm. really, when people are like, "You could have been Jim Brown," or "You could have been Mike Trout," he doesn't care. He just doesn't care. He isn't. He's not losing sleep over not being either Hall. Right now, he's a grandfather, which makes me feel old. <laughs> he lives in suburban Chicago. He shovels his own driveway. He drives a Ford truck. He goes hunting. Like people are like, "Oh, if only you didn't." And he's never been like that. He's like, "This is my life, man. I'm happy." Is that because like growing up in the poverty and sort of already feeling like you've made it and he accomplished so many things that he doesn't have regrets, or he's just a man who's at peace with himself? Or he truly, truly, truly wanted what he didn't have as a kid, which is a stable family life. Mm. And he's had a wife for almost 40 years. He has three kids who are all adults. He's a grandfather. Like, I think that's what he craved more than anything. And he got it. We're talking to Jeff Perlman, the author of the newest book, The Last Folk Hero and Bo Jackson. Now you've written some books about somewhat controversial figures and figures who weren't controversial, but you really, I think, painted a fuller picture of their lives. I'm thinking of the Walter Payton book. Mm. When you write these books, you know, how much you think about possible backlash. I always think about it, but it's the, it's, it's the inexact nature of biography and it's the flaw of biography. Like my wife always says to me, she's like, I don't know how you do blank. Like, how do you do that? How do you, I write a biography of Walter Payton. I found out that at the end of his life, Walter Payton was severely depressed and that he was writing suicidal notes. Now, if you're writing a definitive biography of someone, you have to include that, but you know it's gonna hurt feelings. It's going to hurt his kid's feelings and his widow's feelings. And I don't really know a solution to that. Mm -hmm. But if you enter the field where you decide you're going to write definitive books and biographies, you don't really have a choice, but it sucks. Is uh, this book about Bo Jackson, did you, are there possibly going to be backlash something here? Do you think Bo would be upset or the fans would be upset? Because he's got very loyal fans. I think he's going to like this book a lot if he reads it. Um, I'd say the two like quote unquote controversial, which isn't really that controversial. Number one, he was definitely getting paid in college, but <laughs> I know. That's I mean, I'm Charles gonna... Barkley was also at Auburn. I think he's mentioned yeah, wait, things I like say, that. Yeah. It's so funny how I'm like, I have some bad news for you guys. When Bo Jackson was playing in the SEC in the 1980s, <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's a good one, Jeff. Yeah, I know yeah. that's a good one. And then um, it's minor, but like, you know, he liked the ladies in college, but he was in college. If I had any game, I would have liked the ladies. You know, it's just like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but yeah. there's nothing like uh, that people are going to be horrified to find out no. or, or depressed. Well, depressed about maybe his childhood, but where you're, where really the myth does match the man. He's great. Yeah. Like, he is actually great. And the That's things, so refreshing. <laughs> he is. He really is. I'm like, all the stories behind what he did. I mean, like, um, when he uh, when he climbs a wall and makes that catch, right? I talked to a guy who played with him on the Memphis Chicks in 1986, but it was one minor league season. And he's like, as soon as I saw that, I remembered a game in Charlotte when he climbed up the wall too. And then Willie Wilson was playing in the outfield with him that day. And Willie Wilson's like, I saw him do that in spring training. And I kept betting uh, my peers that one day this guy's going to climb up a wall. And I called them all and collected money. And my favorite <laughs> thing about that is uh, I talked to a ton of major leaguers who told me that night and then the day after in their own parks, they were all trying to run up the wall. Oh, yeah, to try to do it. And kept falling and nobody <laughs> could do it. And I think it's the most amazing highlight of all time because – We've seen great throws. We've seen great runs. We've never, no. literally, never before, never since, have we seen someone run up the outfield wall. Never. No, absolutely not. It's insane. Not. 
Um, it's kind of shocking that more things you've written about haven't become like big TV series mm. or movies, but I'll obviously Showtime Lakers was, yeah. was a really good one and yeah. it got such a critical acclaim. It was a commercial hit too. Uh, you know, everyone was watching it and that was such a unique book. I, the question I have for you now is like, clearly the Lakers are struggling now early on in the season. When you were writing that book, Jeannie Buss was like a, a minor-ish character then because mm -hmm. Jerry Buss, her father, was such a large character. Did they see things in her then that would equip her now for dealing with the type of adversity that the Lakers are going through? Because she's really the mm. person in charge right now. I know. I think at the time, um, I mean, in the series, her role is definitely a little steroided up. Like her role with the team back then wasn't quite what they have it. I mean, it's dramatic TV. Um, she headed the the in the, ten, the tennis team, the LA Strings. That was her assignment back then. She was in charge of the Strings. And I think her dad was sort of trying to groom her mm -hmm. to greater things. But did he think one day my daughter is going to be running the Lakers at that point in 1980? Definitely not. Definitely not. Not at that point at all. He did not. Just to be, it wasn't a women's woman's world then. Definitely like it just not, was yeah. a foreign idea. Mm. So I don't think so. And I actually, um, I'm a huge genie admirer. Like she's great. She's really nice. But I live out in Southern California. It's it's crazy how angry people are about what's going on. It's just I've never. I'm from New York, so I have seen stuff like <laughs> yeah, that. But, we're angry about everything. Yeah, but LA, people in LA generally aren't. Yeah. And it's like, it's very intense mm -hmm. right now. I, this might be impossible to answer, but if Jerry Buss was still alive today, what would be going on with the Lakers? Do you think anything would be different? Or it's it's a different NBA now, too, that exists where superstars have so much power, although Magic had a lot of power mm -hmm. even back in the 80s. But would it be any different if Jerry Buss was still alive? Well, number one, he let's just say, let's go hypothetical. He comes back. Okay? Okay. He comes back. Jerry Buss comes back today. <laughs> he rises from... I mean, Palenka would be gone in a second. It's not his kind of guy. It's not his kind of executive, blah, blah, blah. He would be very hands-on. I don't think Russell Westbrook could ever see the court again <laughs> in LA. I just, I think he'd be horrified times a million because, yeah, he was an entertainment guy and entertainment was very important to him, but winning and losing was, there was dignity to it. And that team right now has, I hate to say it, like zero dignity. It's just a mess. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm plugged for winning time. It's the only reason I'm keeping HBO Max right now. Because I know <laughs> two, I, and I'm a Sixers fan. And I didn't think the Dr. J actor was quite tall enough, but the casting's unbelievable. Yeah. The casting is unbelievable. Are they going to make a, a Dallas Cowboys series ever on your Cowboys book, or is it too R-rated that they couldn't even do it? I mean, Someone bought the rights. So basically what yeah. happens is when you, uh, when you have a series made on one of your books, all of a sudden you become hot. Like these yeah. books yes. have been I was wondering that. Yeah, all of a sudden stuff gets optioned. So I have a lot of things optioned right now, but... Just because something is option doesn't mean that. There's yeah. so many hoops to jump through and hurdles and obstacles. Oh, the USFL book, uh, Football for a Buck, would be a great Does great anyone movie really too. want to see Trump in a, as a... Like, I just think Trump is kind of the obstacle there. Like, I think we've had enough. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm old enough to actually... I'm like, I want to see about a Chuck Fusine in the Philadelphia Stars. I don't oh, need Trump. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Perloff had some pitches yeah, uh, that he wanted right. to so make I love, to Jeff. Uh, you know, you... Jeff, who lives and dies yeah. and likes, you know, with every single book... You know. My sister-in-law, Leah, does this all the time. Yeah. She'll be like, I have a great book idea for you. And it'll yeah. be like, what about the turtles of the Galapagos? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> Would you ever write a book about pro wrestling in the 80s? Yes. I think, because it, I don't know why, you know, this is my youth. And I feel like there's so much territory there. Hulk Hogan, the rise of that. Because it's also, like some of your other books, a national book about everything else that's going on around it at the time in the country. I think it's a great idea. Okay. I think it's a little broad. I like tight subjects. Yeah, yeah. But I do think it could be really fun. Like uh, give them all the rest and okay. have them pick Michael the Jordan. Best one. Uh, Shoot, wait, I'll just go yes or no. Okay. Yeah. No, too done. Uh, 2004 Red Sox. 
Don't care. Uh, <laughs> I know you. I know you don't like this person, Pete Rose. Kashi Kennedy wrote a former yeah. colleague. Yeah, wrote yeah. a very good Pete Rose biography. Okay. I feel like if someone does one recently, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Spygate, Deflategate, Bountygate, NFL <laughs> scandals. No, not at all. Zero. This Why? interests me because to write a book, you have to love a subject and to spend two years writing about stuff that I've not that much interest in. It wouldn't really do it for me. Uh, that's all I got for you. I How mean, do you I, reconcile Favre now? Because I don't. I I literally went on social media and told people don't buy this book because he's not worth your time. No. I am horrified by Brett Favre. I am. This is what I say real quick. This is my point always. You're Brett Favre. Okay, we get it. You're from Mississippi and you grew up a certain way. You spend your career with the most diverse clientele of people ever. You have teammates from all walks of life, right? You've seen what it is to grow up poor and African-American in America. And you take freaking welfare money so you can have a gym built when you have the money yourself to do it. It's one, and you know what? Honest to God, we should have been on him the minute he sent his pictures to Jen Sturger and we should have been done with that guy. And yeah. we weren't. We gave him a second chance because he can throw far and he's country and a uh, gunslinger. Well, he was kind of like mythological. Not like Bo yeah. Jackson was on a whole other level, but Favre had that mythic kind of quality too. Yes, but I think like we fall in love with athletes and we let them do some stuff. And I'm telling you, as soon as he, he ruined her life. Yeah, he, he ruined did. Jen Sturger's life. And the moment he sent those pictures, the NFL should have been done with them, but of course they weren't and we should have been done with them. Yeah. You're right, and it's uh, now it's like I know Jen a little bit, and she still works through it. Every yeah. time a headline comes up with him in it, she gets like the blowback from it, and it's just a weird, freaking, awful thing. I know her too, yeah. and one, she's a really good person, yeah, she is. and she's had to live with this crap for years, and it's just not fair. And we just painted Brett Favre as this great guy, not in my book necessarily, but yeah. just we all paid attention to him. I, I mean, should never written that book, to be honest with you. That's why it's such a high wire act what you do in some ways because your words get printed and they're in the books and you know you have to live with that not to make you it angry. wasn't a, there yeah. to be clear yeah. I, I just in my little defense it was not a love letter book to brett Favre yeah, yeah. at all yeah but in hindsight if i could take that book back i would just never touch that subject yeah. well it looks like you didn't have to have that kind of crisis of, of moral conscious with uh with bo jackson because it seems like he actually is a genuinely good person i believe he is that is great the last folk hero the life and myth of bo jackson this is like so in our wheelhouse jeff thanks for writing this book good luck and Stop by again soon. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Jeff Perlman, award winning, award winning writer. I can never say that. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Okay. Coming up next, hear what Aaron Rodgers said about the Packers' third straight loss. We got that for you in just a minute. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff straight ahead. This season, for the first time, you can hear every Westwood One NFL broadcast stream live for free. Mondays, Thursdays, Sunday nights, the International Series, holiday triple headers, and every postseason game. Catch all the action on the Odyssey app on westwoodonesports.com, via Westwood One station streams, or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports. All sponsored by AutoZone. It's time to say goodnight to that. Check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder service. It'll help troubleshoot the likely cause of your light for free. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. I was giggling to myself there because I'm already thinking in advance. It's a Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m., Jacksonville Jaguars. Your Denver Broncos yeah. in the all-London. <laughs> is that the most London game that ever existed? It is going to be so ugly. <laughs> I cannot wait. And I hope Russell Wilson is playing. Is there any chance that it turns out to be an aesthetically pleasing game? Are Maggie? we rushing Russell Wilson back out on the field? I mean, I know it didn't look great yesterday with Brett Rippon. They yeah. lost to the Jets at home. But 
Are we ru- are we all in a rush to get Wilson back out there? Yes, from really? a content standpoint. Yeah, I this uh this Russell Wilson debacle is fascinating. <laughs> from a content content standpoint, this is dude's career. Well, Brett Rippon playing for the Broncos does nothing for us. But yeah. I there were really positive reports. I I don't know what the exact quote was, but I I w- read everything that the Broncos were saying and implied to me that Russ will be back. Man, he almost played on Sunday. I felt like we just learned today that the Broncos were in on Chris McCaffrey. Right. Yeah, and also that Jerry Judy might be on the trade market, which I would I would do in a heartbeat. If you are the Broncos. If I was the Broncos, you receivers You've have You've seen to, enough? Uh, I mean, come on. His route running is so obviously messed up. Wait, how many seasons has he been in the league? Two? <laughs> three now. He's been three? He's yeah. barely been there with quarterbacks who are terrible. We're really going to judge Jerry Judy? I, I judge on what I've seen this year. Yeah, no, I think that Jerry Judy is... He's been disappointing. I, I understand that. But he yeah. also, it does, he doesn't exactly have Tom Brady thrown to him. That's true. I, you want him? I'd rather have... Honestly, Chase Claypool looks unstoppable to me. I don't know why that guy... I don't know why, why they, he, they yeah. would trade him right now. Yeah, I feel like Kenny Pickett had... If he didn't throw to Chase Claypool, he's in a bit of trouble last night. Yeah, how about... Man, just couldn't just couldn't win the game for him. You know, throws the bad pick the and that then got the... the ball back for a shot at redemption and just throws the pick in the end zone. Just I mean, couldn't his, win the game. His couldn't win the game. His picks weren't even close. I mean, it was a rainy night and he had those little hands with the glove on. <laughs> I did not think Kenny Pickett <laughs> all goes back to the hands. He's getting really <laughs> decent reviews. I did not see a ton from Kenny Pickett yesterday. He looked okay. I mean, he has a grasp of the offense. He's a rookie. He's not bad. I think they might have won with Trubisky last night because the defense sort of uh, got really yeah. good in the second half. Trubisky they were played incredible well. in the second half. They Trubisky held... looked really good the week before against yeah. the Bucks. I didn't know that it was a no-brainer to play Pickett because now they're 2-5 and five and they're out of the playoff race. I know. I was thinking about that, and I saw your tweet, like, should they have started Trubisky? And it got me thinking, too, but I'm like, you know what? Maybe they feel, and I know the Steelers are still trying to win, but maybe they feel like, you get this sort of out of your system, you know, yeah. this kind of failure, like even Chris Collins was talking about it. You learn in the hard way yep. and maybe they feel like, yeah, you're sacrificing wins in the short term, but that this is going to make Kenny pick. I saw a friend of mine, Nick Costos, who does Beck QL said this reminded him of early Eli Manning kind of got that sense too. Eli used to throw it well, Eli threw up a lot of picks his whole career, but he threw a lot of picks early and ultimately he was like better for it. Yeah, like but the this, lumps and stuff. Yeah, I mean that's everybody does that with young quarterbacks now. But the Steelers don't take off years though. That's why Tomlin doesn't have lost seasons. That's why it's confusing, right? Like not the Steelers. They they lost Ben Roethlisberger one season, turned around and traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, no, traded a first round pick. It's weird to me. And then again, I don't know if Trubisky really would have showed up last night. Who knows? He wasn't good before Pickett got in. Yeah, that's uh, and, and they can't run the ball either. I saw a stat that made me sort of nauseous for the Steelers. Daniel Jones, a Giants quarterback, has outrun Najee Harris this year. <laughs> actually, um, that's <laughs> that's crazy, but it's actually not that shocking because no. Daniel Jones basically runs all the time. But if the Steelers' corners had held on to a couple of those picks that Tua was throwing oh. to him, maybe this would have been a this could have been actually like a blowout. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. Four dropped interceptions from what's supposed to be an elite defense. I mean, to be fair, TJ Watt's not there. They maybe they win a game with like that with him. I don't know. Does anyone else? Small tangent. We get to Aaron Rodgers in a moment. So last night, T.J. Watt was there, and he was like had the toothpick in his mouth, like the dental half dental floss, half pick. You know that thing? No, I didn't see that. Like okay. a what, like a plastic toothpick? Yeah, you know, like yeah, the plastic where it's got like yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. of dental floss and it's got a pick. He's got that in his mouth. Dusty Baker has got the toothpick in his mouth. Does that give anyone else anxiety? I feel like they're gonna, oh, they're gonna swallow trip. it. <laughs> it's gonna like no watching yeah, Dusty Baker you. turn yeah. the toothpick around in his mouth doesn't. 
Does so this wait, bother T- anyone TJ else? TJ Watt had like one of those handheld floss things. Yeah. My, we give those to the girls because they can't use real floss. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is the most, this is the most mom you've ever been on the air, by the way. Worry that somebody's going <laughs> to fall on a gonna, I was like, man, Dusty's really taking a big risk. So TJ Watts is chewing on a little floss all game long? No one else noticed it when they put the camera on him? He had the, I was like, listen, I'm all about flossing. I'm like, the, I'm the LeBron James I think I miss it. No, yeah. I, yeah, but uh, I think that would be weird. Wouldn't you get tired of having that in your mouth? I mean, all questions that were being asked last night about that game. Let's get to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> What the f*** is Aaron Rodgers up to today? Losing. Losing is what Aaron Rodgers is up to today, last week, the week before. It's rough right now for the Packers. Here is what Rodgers had to say and really finding a silver lining for their latest loss. I'm not worried about this squad. In fact, this might be the best thing for us. Uh, This week, you know, nobody's going to give us a chance. Going to Buffalo and Sunday night football, a chance to get exposed. Shoot. Might be the best thing for us. Okay. Um, I get it. You just got exposed. The commanders exposed (laughs) you. The Jets exposed you. The Giants exposed you. I don't know what the Bills are going to do. I wouldn't be surprised if that game goes 100 different ways. But you're not getting exposed by the Bills. You just got exposed. But you didn't get exposed in a standalone primetime game and lose by 60. We still noticed that the Packers lost yesterday. We did. We did. But it's hard to is, hide. This is going to be the full exposure. This is a, this is a, I think he's saying, you know, it's better than losing 53 to 10 to the Bills on national TV. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, they could get themselves together. <laughs> they lost 27 10 to the Jets. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. Uh, in Lambo. But uh, you know, it's, I kind of agree with you. I think this game feels like the way the Packers feels like play. like a trap. The, the Packers make everything ugly. Both teams yeah. play ugly when the Packers are on the field. So I think the Packers can just get a punt off and catch a punt. <laughs> yeah. Then they're immediately, they're immediately closing the gap because they haven't done that the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I, and not get a BS penalty on yeah. their second pick six of the day. Maybe that would help. Maybe maybe. How about not having an illegal formation on a crucial third down? Yeah, maybe, maybe you're rubbing off of me where I don't think the Bills are... Like, I get nervous about the Bills because the Bills on paper should kill them. Yeah, they should. I mean, For, the spread is what, 10 and a half? Yeah, first time Rodgers ever been a double-digit spread in his entire career. Yeah, see, it's stuff like that. I'm like, uh, Rodgers has too much pride to go quietly, you know? Like yeah. he did against the Commanders. Yes, and the way and the Jets. Yeah, and the, the Giants. Jets. But the way they've been losing, though, hasn't been because they've been out, outgained or outplayed on the line of scrimmage. I mean, they have... But it's been more than that, though. It's yeah. been if Rodgers just throws one ball downfield and somebody actually catches it when it hits him in the hands, then they could be dangerous. <laughs> well, Al Lazard can catch a pass. Um, how the pitchy, pitchy woo woo at the end? Yeah, it was awesome. I know. I thought it had a chance when it got back into Rodgers' hand. I was like, "Oh my God, they're gonna do it!" And then he threw it to a lineman, and it went through his legs, five hole style, like a hockey goalie. Hold on, is that the actual name for that play, or is that you just call it the pitchy, pitchy woo woo? No, that's the name. What it's a what the laterals? I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it what called the pitchy, pitchy woo woo too. I just you know scatter nonsense. I don't know pitchy, <laughs> pitchy woo woo. I've never heard that, but that's amazing. I love it. No? I've never heard that either. I no. like it. What do you call it though? You call it throwing a lateral? Yeah, yeah like the lateral play to end the game, like yeah. the desperation lateral whatever. But pitchy, pitchy woo woo. I like. I it. mean, I didn't invent it. I can't. <laughs> but, I can't but, but take here, credit for it. Here's the question: Like, isn't like the humble pie and like being exposed really good for like a team that's like seven and zero and like. 
maybe they think they're better than their record actually says that they are. Mm. When you're three and four, you're not looking to be exposed and to get a piece of humble pie. You've already been there. Like, it makes no sense what he's saying. I don't get it. I mean, he said also that he's not worried about the squad. It's like, I don't know. I'd probably be worried right now because I don't even know if, like, one wide receiver uh, that you, like, a trade at the deadline, it will help Perloff, but I don't know if it will fix everything. They need to trade for, like, a tackle, and I don't think that's going to happen right now. Oh, or is it a matter of forget the personnel? It's getting the personnel that they have to play better, sort of coaching. Aaron Rodgers seems maybe it's all in their head right now. I mean, that's a lot to be on your head, but it feels like maybe they're talented enough. That's not the problem at all. Yeah. It's a question of either motivation or focus. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is distracted. I mean, that's not inconceivable. No, they had guys go out. Rashawn Gary left yeah. in the second half. I mean, just guys are really pivotal positions, but I can't use that as an excuse. Like we saw the Packers win 13 games without David yeah. Bakhtiari last year. We've seen them win games without a good defense before a great defense. But we've also seen them struggle early in the season and get it together. That's why we all, even you who's saying it's over, yep. a kernel, no Super Bowl. kernel of hope. Uh, I'm looking at the origins of pitchy, pitchy, woo, woo. Yeah. What I've seen a lot of the SVP show, maybe Stanford Steve, oh, in the late 2010s. It, maybe but that's I hear where it's it sunk in. I hear it all the time now, and I, th- I might have heard it from you, but I love it. Now, <laughs> there's been a few great ones this year. You know, That's my favorite play. It's never worked. <laughs> that's your Stanford play. Cal- Oh, the laterals, I love it. There was one uh, earlier, I think the, it was either the, yeah, it was the Broncos, I think, had one that lasted like 19 minutes, and they, <laughs> they somehow lost yardage oh, on the yeah. play. Oh, yeah. I, I had a bet on that game, too, and I really needed the under, so I was sweating it out with that. Yes. I, I can't remember what the game was now. Shoot. But Pitchy Pitchy Woo Woo is a great way to describe it. And I love, it was Pill. I love when eventually it lands in the last guy's hands, and he's like, you know what? There's no more pitching. This is my time to go for it. I'm gonna, <laughs> I, it's usually like some lineman who gets like three yards gets stripped. The and hero then, ball, it yeah, never yeah, some, goes well. Some guy's like, all right, that's enough laterals. It's my time to make a run for the end zone. <laughs> I always feel bad for the offensive Lyman, who like they touch the ball and it's like hot potatoes. Like they cannot get rid of the ball fast <laughs> no. enough. Yeah, the guy no. couldn't even get it last night. Went through his legs. Oh my <laughs> gosh. He went, he went down a heap afterwards. He's like, no. It's Hi. always too Nightmare. like someone that's like, I didn't even know this team had uniforms with numbers like that on it. It's like, <laughs> how, who's 48? So at, at the end of the play, Aaron Rodgers uh, went face down and the, everyone took a picture of it. And I tweeted out, I'm like, stay down, Aaron, or something like that. Then it dawned on me, he didn't have a concussion, right? He was just mortally depressed about the state of the team. I mean, I didn't see him get hit. Yeah. But I, I, <laughs> I mean, he was just like, I think he was, cr- I think in that in that moment, the thought must have crossed his mind, what am I doing here? This is a disaster. Well, Get me out of here. It's almost like, a, you know, when people do this about movies, it's like, you're probably wondering how I got here, like a freeze frame. And it's just like Aaron <laughs> oh, yeah. Rodgers yeah, is yeah. face down, losing to the commanders. Yeah. Just like, zzz, rewind. Yeah, like a 2000s rom-com yes. or something. Yes, yes. Exactly. Probably wondering. You're wondering how. how I ended up face first in Washington <laughs> FedEx losing. Field with Chance going on, sell the team. We couldn't even beat a team that the fans wanted to sell mid-game, and we could could not even beat them. Uh, there were more Packer fans there than yeah. Commanders fans. Yeah, who's ch- chanting sell the team? They were more chanting cheesehead stuff. I didn't get that at all. <laughs> uh, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Coming up, we will make uh, picks for tonight's game, so don't move. We got more. Rich Ackerman is here with a CBS Sports Update. It's time to answer our Ask the Pros question today. It's brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Today's question comes from Juan in San Francisco. 
early returns on the Christian McCaffrey trade. Your thoughts. Don't forget, you can submit a question by going to cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros or tweeting it at cbssportsradio using the hashtag askthepros. Um, early returns on McCaffrey, good in the first half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's unfair to judge him. Base. He wasn't even supposed to play. He was learning. They said he was learning the playbook during the game. He's studying. I mean, that's <laughs> I no on the flight there, right? No, he asked during for it. the game, wow. he was sitting studying the playbook because he'd never seen the play. So that's I don't think like it's a, fair to judge him. That's an epic cram session. Yeah. Like you know, you don't study for the final while you're taking the final. Yeah, I mean the night <laughs> totally. The Niners looked good in the beginning. They looked like they were yeah. actually. I thought they oh I'm like they're going to win this game, but then Jimmy G steps back in the, in the red zone. Throws a four-yard Hail Mary. Yeah. He had a guy wide open right in front of him, four feet away. Throws a lob ball that gets intercepted, and the game just changed, and it was off to the races for the Chiefs. Yeah, back-to-back touchdowns yeah. from MVS, what, and uh, Juju, right? I don't think uh, I don't think the Niners were really got McCaffrey for this game. I yeah. think they almost like, now that now they get in the thick of things, and the NFC West is really tightly packed. I think it's unfair to judge them. I think it's going to be good overall because they're going to be a run team and a defense team, and you can't ask Jimmy G to do too much. So it kind of fits that formula. What's your early take? I mean, I he definitely added something, so for sure. But again, like I know they were down in the second half, and so maybe you're not going to use them as much. It just kind of seemed like they went away from him. At least that yeah. was my read. And then the Chiefs sort of blew him out. But I thought what was interesting, I think I read this in Peter King's column this morning. I think that's where I read it, was the idea that the 49ers are like pulling a Rams, you know, like just going all in, bleep them mm. picks, that kind of thing. But like, are they really? Because when the Rams were doing this, it was for premium positions on the football field. You know, McCaffrey is excellent. He's versatile. He's super dynamic, all those things. But it's not like running back's not like the premium position that you'd be giving up a second and a third, yada, yada. Unless you view McCaffrey as a, a game changer or as a slot receiver. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's really which what he, which he did a little yesterday. Yeah. And I think once he learns to play, I think you need more of a playbook and a route tree for that kind of thing. I, I think he can do both for them. I mean, listen, the Chiefs are ridiculous. And they, they looked good yesterday. Yeah, and they went against, I think the Niners were the number one defense coming in. They neutralized that pass rush. Nick Bosa still tortured Patrick Mahomes, but the rest of the team didn't do anything. So I think the Niners are going to be good. And the other thing, too, every team in the NFC, except for the NFC East, is three and four. So, so they're fine, right? They, well, I think the question is really about the NFC West is yeah. like, how seriously are we taking the Seahawks? I know DK no. Metcalf got carted off yesterday. It doesn't look like he's going to need surgery. But like Geno's just on one still. We mm. talked I, 200 yards. I mean, it's not. But the accuracy is still there. He's not making the mistakes. Even they thought that maybe he threw a bad pick in the fourth quarter. And I was like, nope, it got wiped away. I'm like, yeah, this version of Geno Smith throwing a bad pick in the fourth quarter. Impossible. But I mean, he wouldn't do it. Obviously, the key to that, that team, what's going to make them different is the run game. And they're going to. Yeah, Kenneth Walker is so good. Yeah, so if they could run like that. But I don't think he could run like that on the Rams and the Niners. But. Uh, yeah, I think that's why they have. So, who have the Seahawks beaten? Let's look at the list here. Well, the Chargers yesterday. Yeah, is that barely good? put up a fight? Um, is that a big win? I was wondering that they beat the the Seahawks. Also beat the Cardinals and they beat the Lions and they beat the Broncos. So they're now four and three. They lost twenty seven seven to San Francisco, twenty seven twenty three to Atlanta, and they lost a shootout to the Saints, where Gino was amazing. So I don't really know. I have no idea what to make of that team. I think that Gino. I don't think this is like going to be a clock strikes midnight thing on him. Yeah. I think he's really good. Like, and mm. even without DK Metcalf, which is definitely going to, I'm sure it's going to hurt, but Goodwin st- stepped up huge yesterday with two touchdowns and you still have Lockett, Who's great. So, and now you have Kenneth Walker and it looks like the line's not that bad. So like, 
Man, so imagine if they had Russell Wilson. We'll see. Okay. They play the Giants this week, and I think the Giants can stop the run. This is a well. The Giants have been a little vulnerable to the run. My oh, they, Travis Etienne prop cash yeah, on oh, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Okay, that's I, like I, the one part that they've been a little. Right, because uh, like Gino's the been one in, hole for the Giants. Gino's been in good spots. Mm-hmm. I want to see if he is in behind and he's getting pass rush under a lot of pressure. If he holds up, uh, like the Saints game that they lost, he was awesome in. But that was a total shootout. The other thing too is is the, is the Seahawks defense good? I have I, I, no I, way to tell. I don't know who those guys are. Or what's going on? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> looks like they hit on some of their draft picks. Yes, who are they have playing all these guys who've never guys. heard of. Right, and. I mean, kudos to the Seahawks. I thought they were going to be picking number one in the draft or close to number one in the draft, but it looks like this is just gangbusters trade that they made. If we're having an open draft, though, in the NFC West, I'm taking the Niners times 10. I, I feel like once that defense gets healthy, and even oh, Jimmy the Chiefs... G's just such a liability when you're down. Yeah, but even there were moments with, like, the throw to Kittle in the end zone. Yeah. There was, some, there was, was a, a couple nice Debo plays. There's just some weapons there. Fred Warner is amazing. I, I feel like that defense is going to win them a lot of games. I think it's the same team as last year that should have been in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you might be right about that. Or um, they don't make the playoffs at all. I have no idea. It's the <laughs> NFC West. Anything I, can happen. Would you would you take the Seahawks over the Rams and the Niners? I, I'm so bad with like the until I see it. It's hard for me to believe. Yet I'm believing the Geno thing. Um, I was trying to propose this theory that. Gino, because he's been a backup for the last eight years or whatever, that if he was going to get another contract, a team wouldn't be as he- wouldn't hesitate because of his age, because he's basically hasn't taken like any hits in a decade. So it's almost like he's kind of like <laughs> fresh, you know, even though he's in his thirties. That makes hmm. sense for running backs, maybe not for quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, not taking hits is nice, but also being able to throw the ball is nicer. Yeah, considering you're not supposed to hit the quarterback anymore in today's NFL. I <laughs> you know I, what I mean? He's got no wear and tear. He's been holding the clipboard for eight years. This is like, it's like he's been in hermetically sealed in like a chamber. <laughs> now you're just like, oh my gosh, here's Gino. Have you tweeted that out? I have not tweeted it out. Should I? I think you should. I'm curious what people would say. Well, people on Twitter are mean, so they're going to say mean <laughs> things. I'm talking to you guys. I think, you're against, friends. I think it's an against the grain take, to be honest. Should I steal your against the grain for tomorrow? Uh, no, you can Pose say it out there. No, no, I, I'm saying against the grain is I don't think it'll be well-received. What's <laughs> <laughs> for Case Keenum in Minnesota? Yeah, I know. Right. I've been thinking about Case's season in Minnesota a lot with Gino. It feels a little bit like that team was a, but that team was a little better. They were 13-3. and three. They were really good at every position. See, the Seahawks, I, I don't get the sense that the whole team is ready. Even if Gino's really good, yeah. they're not going to be 13-3, and three, right? No. I mean, they're already 4-3. and three, so. No, they're not going to be 13-3, and three, but they might be a playoff team. I don't know if they'll be yeah. hosting well, they, a playoff game. If they are, I think that'd be a huge It'd be accomplishment. Sh- It'd be an amazing accomplishment amazing. for a team we thought were, well, you really thought was tanking. I, I thought, thought so. Pete Carroll <laughs> doesn't know what it means to tank. Is it even aware of the concept? Well, he's right about that. And actually, if the Giants go on a little bit of a skid, I could see Pete Carroll being the coach of the year. If they win enough games. Yeah, it's uh, a long way to go. Yeah, I'm saying. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's Brian Dables now, and the Giants deserve it. That was a great goal line stand for them, basically. Just, I mean, to stop a guy on the one-yard line like that, just amazing. Is that on Trevor Lawrence for throwing it a yard short? I think, was it Marvin Jones? No, that was um, that was Kirk. Was it on him for, like, jumping in the air at the one? Well, did like, you see... Trevor threw two, I think, into the end zone before, and missed yeah. by about I don't know, fifteen like, yards on each of them. So it's like not into the like second row. I think that's the only pass that he 
possibly could have completed there. So I'm not blaming him for throwing short there. Who is it? They got Moreau is the name of the guy on the Giants, I think. There's a couple Moreaus in the league, but it's one of them for the Giants. Just like, man, that guy was amazing at the end of the game. The Giants keep winning these games, and it doesn't seem like it's sustainable to win this game, yet they keep winning. So, yeah, Lawrence, man, not a great day for him. Uh, okay, let's turn our attention to the Monday Night Football game tonight. Uh, yeah. Do we have to? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bears traveling to the Patriots. You know, eight and a half even though the Bears are really, really bad. Man, I'm. it's just such a big number. Um, I'll tell you one bet that I do like about this, and this is all coming courtesy of DraftKings, of course. I like the Bears team total points under 15 and a half. I don't know what else I really feel good about, maybe under 40 for the game. Uh, I might also look at, but that's the only thing I like in this game. So the Bears have completed 10 and a half passes a game. This is the lowest in 30 years. Uh, they are setting all kinds of records. I kind of agree with you. Eight and a half seems like a lot because the Bears could ugly this game up. And it, I don't know. I mean, the if Patriots... Zappy's in the game, then it's a blowout, obviously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, but yeah, they the win pa- by three touchdowns. I think the Patriots are playing Mac Jones because they drafted him and they have to. But uh, yeah, I I gotta tell you, I don't really want to watch this game. I, I'd rather. You do... got anything else? Your Phillies don't play in the World Series until Friday. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to wait that long. Well. Uh, Checking Pelicans' schedule. Let me see if they play tonight. Otherwise, you want to watch the Sixers tonight? uh, Okay, the Pelicans host Luka Doncic and the Mavericks, so that is on my TV at seven thirty. No, the Six. Who are the Sixers? (laughs) You got Nets Uh, Grizzlies. Little John Morant versus the Nets. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Oh, LeBron plays the Pelicans November second. Yeah, I, I can't. I'm having trouble. Early season NBA, it's got to be some. It's got to be a John Morant or his Zion. I thought or you'd a be Luka. watching a 2008 Phillies championship DVD just to like get yourself in the mood. No, no, no. I'm I'm fine. Uh, I I don't want to tempt fate. I've been saying I'm keeping like gloves on this team. Like I don't want to make any predictions. I don't want to brag. I, I don't want to say you, anything. I thought you were going to come in with like your Phillies shirt on today and. Nothing. No, I, I do not want to jinx this team. It's almost like you intentionally wore just like a gray sweater. Like you just didn't even just like no, you want to blend in with the set. I if I say anything cocky about the Phillies, this whole run will end. <laughs> oh, that's just that's just facts. Uh thank you, Mike Samter, Stu Kovacs, Marlo Donahue. See you tomorrow. Thank you.